0: It's the Principle with Pastor Mac, where we learn the heart of God through the mind of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I am your host, Pastor Mac. Join me as we dive into the passages of Scripture and find out how principles from God's Word give us the power to overcome the problems of life. Hello, everyone. So glad you're here with me whenever time it is for you. Uh, For me, it's Tuesday evening. And uh, I just got to tell you, I'm so honored to be with you here and the the fact that you're listening. Uh, Just a quick update on a couple of things. Uh, One, church is going very well. Uh, Book, I've sold, I don't know, 50 or 60 copies or so, just trying to do it on my own. Uh, I am planning on this week uh, getting it onto Amazon. So we'll see how that continues to go and and. Yeah, I didn't do it to try to sell it to to make any money. Um, I did it because the Lord put it on my heart to write it, and so uh, everybody that's been reading it has uh, has given me good reviews, and so I'm very excited about that. It was my first book, so it was uh, I know it could be better, and my prayer is on the next one I'll do better. Uh, and yes, there is another book in the works, um, but uh, there's enough of that. Uh, just in case you're wondering uh i am a little closer to being a granddad Uh, my daughter is getting close she's within three weeks of her due date so pop is ready to see his little grandson and i I can't wait but uh, uh, my kids are all doing great and healthy and i I love being a dad and can't wait to be a granddad and uh so that's enough about me for right now i could talk about my wife my kids and all the good things for a long time. but I want to I want to share something with you. I want to talk to you about Esau's mistake. Again, we're going to go back to the book of Genesis. And I don't know how much longer we'll be in Genesis, but like I've told you before, if you don't get Genesis right, you might as well throw the rest of it out. Um, so I want to look at um, I want to look at Genesis chapter twenty-five, and I want to look at again what I think is uh, Esau's crucial mistake that that. That tainted or or slanted uh, the rest of his life, uh, and I think I can boil it down to one particular event. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter twenty-five, and I'm going to read a couple of things. Uh, let's go to verse twenty-five, or let's go verse twenty-four. This is about Sarah having uh, the two boys, uh, Isaac and Jacob, and. Uh, I'm sorry, not Sarah, Rebecca, my bad. Uh, So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. This is verse 24. Now verse 25. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, a couple of things I want to give you right here. Uh, Again, just in case you're wondering, I do the New King James Version. Uh, But in verse 25, you, you get the two boys coming out, verse 25 and 26, and you get a description, and it says Esau was red and Like a hairy garment. He was hairy all over. So they called his name Esau. The word Esau, the name Esau means hairy. Um, So, like fur. I mean, the guy was, the baby was, had had hair all over him. Uh, The fact that he was red is at this point immaterial. He came out, he had hair all over. So they called him Esau, which means hairy. And then Jacob comes out, and because Jacob had grabbed Esau's heel, they called him Jacob, which means which means hill catcher or supplanter or deceiver. Um, and maybe I'll get on to Jacob next week. Who knows? Um, but now verse 29. Now Jacob cooked the stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. I'll talk about that in a second. But Jacob said, "Sell me your birthright as of this day." And Esau said, "Look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? I, I'm reading that. I don't think Esau said it like that, by the way. Um, think about that for a second. Can you hear the desperation in his voice? Now I'm not saying I don't want to I don't want to oversell this, right? Esau wasn't about to die. This is part of his mistake, and and I'll explain. But Esau was not about to die. But can you imagine the, the desperation or the passion that was coming out of his voice when he says this? Look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Then Esau despised his birthright. Now that's where we're going to get to. So as I look at this, I mean, obviously, if, you, if you've if you been around church for any length of time, you've heard this preached about, you've heard it talked about, um, and, and you've heard it, uh, I'm sure it's been used to guilt many people to the altar. And it's valid. I'm not trying to downplay that. But let's look at this. I want I wanted to continue to look at this for a little longer. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Uh, and, he, and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. Now, Edom means red. Esau, his original name, meant hairy. Edom meant red uh, and it was called red because he uh, he sold his birthright for this red stew. in fact he says that please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary therefore his name was called red uh, And Jacob says, sell me your birthright and and so forth and so on. Now I want to talk about the I want to talk about that that eating the soup, we, we think that he sold his birthright and for the stew, and that was the mistake. That's only part of it. That's not the full extent of the mistake, and that's where I want to get to. Uh, I've heard that my whole life. He sold his birthright for the stew, um, yeah, and, and that was horrible. There's more to it. Let's read a little further, and let's see if we can get more of the story because there's a point here to this. Uh, Esau, uh, verse 32, Esau said, Look, I am about to die. Oversold that. That's crazy. Uh, so what is this birthright to me? Jacob swear to me. He swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew. So they, the transaction happened. So Jacob gave Esau the bread and the stew, and Esau ate, and he gave Jacob his birthright. So far, the eating and the birthright is a transaction in process. Even during the time he's eating the stew, Esau could have could have looked at Jacob and said, "No, hold on, hold on." I, you know I, I, I came in, I was emotional. i was hot. The, the heat got to me. This is crazy. I I, I don't want to Let's let's rediscuss this. Let's renegotiate, um, you know, a bowl of stew for my birthright. They're not even on the same scale. They're not even in the same ballpark. As far as importance, I, I overplayed my hand. I, he could have said a lot of things. He could have thrown himself at his brother's mercy. He could have said, look, you know, hey, come on, you know, you, you're taking advantage of me. I, you you duped me and, and, and I, I I need to, you know, I need to rethink this. He could have done a lot of things in the process where he sealed the deal though. It says that he ate and drank. Okay. He arose and went his way. Even in the process of, of doing the deed, so to speak. And, and I'm not trying to be dirty when I say that, I, I, I mean, doing the transaction Even in the process, during the process, in the middle of the, after he took his first bite, after he's halfway through the bowl, after he was, you know, in the process, I'm, I would like to think that he was talking to his brother, but odds are the, the way you see him play this out, where he said he was about to die. He was famished. What good was his birthright? That odds are that he got that bowl. He got the bread and he scarfed it down without hardly even taking a breath. And even in the middle of that, could have stopped somewhere along the way and thought, just thought, used his brain for half a second. But it says when he got through, he stood up and walked away. Even in the middle of doing something, he knew was a mistake even in the middle of doing something he knew was an issue even in the middle of doing something he knew was wrong he could have stopped he could have said something he could have done anything but no he got he 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 caved in he caved to his passions he caved to his fleshly desires he even so much in fact so much so it says thus Esau despised his birthright. Now the word despise, we, we think that that's some kind of a, um, uh, malevolent, malicious, cruel, uh, angry, uh, you know, when we say we despise something, it, it, um, like I said, it comes across as some kind of something with a malintent, right? Um, uh, I, uh, you know, this last week, you know, Alabama and Tennessee played and, uh, I'm I'm an Alabama fan, Roll Tide, um, and but I'm not one of those obnoxious Alabama fans. Uh, in fact, my son-in-law, who's an Auburn fan, likes to sit down and watch football with me because I'm a nice guy and I'm not one of those obnoxious Alabama fans. Uh, I enjoy the game just for the game, but I have a ton of friends who are huge Alabama fans, and I have family who are Tennessee fans, and some of them get obnoxious. And they will use the word despise. I despise Tennessee. I despise Phil Fulmer. I despise Peyton Manning. I despise Nick Saban. I despise what? And when they say that, it, it is it is the the idea of I look at them with ill intent. I, I, um, I, I hold animosity toward them. That's not what the word despise here in the original language means. It literally means, and I'm going to say what it means, and then I'll explain. It literally means to disesteem. So think about that for a second. To esteem something means to hold something in regard, right? Uh, you, you hear people talk about self-esteem. I'm not even going to, one of these days I'll get on that soapbox, but I'm not right now. But the idea of self or, uh, self-esteem is to hold yourself in high regard. To esteem another person, you hold them in high regard. To esteem an organization, to esteem a belief, to, uh, uh, you know, any anything that you esteem is not something that it, it may not even have value as far as monetary value or any kind of value in this world. But if it's something that you hold in regard, uh, a treasured uh, heirloom from generations past, that, that is um that maybe has no earthly value but is precious to you you esteem it you hold it in regard because of what it signifies or represents uh you know a wedding band on your finger those kind of things so, you know these are things that you hold in esteem or hold a person into in esteem you hold them in high regard so to disesteem literally means to hold no regard for it at all So it wasn't that he hated his birthright. He just held it to no regard, no value whatsoever. And I think that's where the mistake comes in. The mistake was not selling the birthright. The mistake was not not even selling it for what he sold it for. You know, he felt like his life was on the line. Give me a break. Um, It's the fact that he held, and you have to understand that culture back then. The firstborn, there were several things that the firstborn received, several benefits that they received simply because they were the firstborn. Now we're talking about firstborn males. I'm not even going to get into the whole idea of daughters again. Maybe I'll talk about that one another day. Firstborn males, because they were the firstborn when it came time for the inheritance, they got double. Now there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of, of logistical reasons for that. I'm not going to go into all that. Maybe one day again, I'll explain that. See, I keep, I keep giving you these little tidbits that hopefully you'll come back. Um, But they got double portion in the inheritance uh, because they were the firstborn, strictly because they were the firstborn. When they got of age, and I'm not talking about 21, when they got of age to be able to walk and talk, so we're talking very young, they were allowed to sit in the gate, in the gates of the city with all the elders of the community and were able. They, they weren't necessarily involved, so to speak, but were there and were able to hear and see and, and watch and learn how the government of the of, and the and the decisions of the community or the or the land was made, and then soon became a part of it simply because they were the firstborn. The firstborn was allowed to do transactions and business for the family and use their name only, because, as like a credit, because they were the firstborn. No other reason. So the idea of having the firstborn is it was more than just oh I'm the first I'm the firstborn of three I'm the oldest of three I loved being an older brother growing up I, I loved it, um, and uh, you know and I'm even the the heir to my father's name I'm a junior, and all those things are great, but they don't carry the weight they did back then. Back then, having that position strictly as a firstborn came not only with great privileges, but also with great responsibility, and it was something that was regarded. If someone was the firstborn of the family, just by being the firstborn, they carried they were carried a certain amount of respect in the community. And it wasn't for anything that they did. It was just who they were. They were just the firstborn. And so they got this. And so it was something that was meant in the life of a firstborn. Being in that position was something that was supposed to be held in high regard. And Esau totally had no regard. And there's and I'm and I'm going on about this because I want you to understand something because it, it wasn't it, it, and it wasn't that Esau here's why that this is so bad Esau forgot he forgot all the privileges that come with it put that aside Esau forgot the legacy that was to be handed down from God grandfather and father even great grandfather to grandfather to father down to him that he was then to pass down to his kids to his grandchildren to his great grandchildren and to his great great grandchildren uh, he was to be part of a legacy that was that was handed down from again third 3 4 5 generations before down to him down to 3 4 5 generations later he was supposed to be part of that and that was something that he was to hold in regard he carried the family name that was part of being the firstborn. And so it was, it was, it was supposed to be that he, he should have, he, he, he not should have, he was supposed to carry that with him in such a way that it was to dictate every aspect of his life. It was to dictate how he carried himself because he carried the family business. It was to dictate how he dealt with people in the city or not in the city, but yeah, in the city or or in the community or in the, the other, you know, Bedouin travelers and, and nomads. And when he met them, he was the firstborn. So he was to carry himself differently as a man of authority or with respect. And he had no respect the legacy that was left him. He had no respect for the legacy that was left him. He had no respect for grandfather and father and what that meant and the legacy that was to be passed down to him and and the name that he was supposed to carry for the family and to carry it down to his children and grandchildren. And, um, and I'm making a point of this because I want you to understand something because he held that in, in disesteem because he did not regard his birthright it made an impact on his descendants it changed the legacy of his descendants in fact if you look it up esau when they had when they had descendants so let's say you know like uh uh, uh like reub let's say reuben if there was a guy named reuben his descendants would be the reubenites uh i'm thinking of of moab his descendants were the moabites uh i'm thinking of uh dan his descendants were the danites the the uh uh so you get what i'm saying the the idea that they the their descendants were identified by the by the progenitor or the the patriarch of the family and so that's how they were defined that was how they were identified and so um and so they were they were defined that way. Again, I, I'm you know I'm thinking of again the uh, Gideon. They were the Gideonites. Uh, those kind of things. Okay, I'm, I think I got my point across. Esau's descendants were not named after Esau. They were named after Edom. They were called the Edomites. And it is. Amazing to me that this man who had within his possession simply because of whose son he was in the position that he had as the firstborn, because he disregarded his legacy, because he disregarded what was being handed down to him, he forever tainted and changed the trajectory or the future of his descendants. They were no longer named after Esau. That And again, hairy versus red, you know. Okay, we're the hairy people. Uh, yeah, kind of weird. I get it. Um, but that's not my point. The point is they were named after the mistake that he made. They were named Edomites. So not only did Esau, who became Edom, forever change his own identity and his own future. He changed forever the future and the identity of those that came after him. Or let me say the things that he produced. And I find that tragic. I find it tragic that he did not hold in regard the sacrifices and the things I talked about last week about how Abraham just struck out because God told him and he just struck out from his lane, homeland and went out and lived this fantastic adventure. And he was a man of faith and he saw God and, 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 you know, the whole sacrificing the sun on the mountain and, and, and all of those things. And then, uh, and then Isaac and, and all the things that Isaac did and, and, you know how Isaac talked to the Lord and Abraham talked to the God talked to God and they had all these experiences and they had all these things to pack these rich experiences and, and wisdom and all these things that they could pass down to their sons that would go on to the future generations. And Esau cared nothing for it. All Esau cared about was his own desire and he held his own desires in greater regard than the desires and the and the legacy of the things that were to be handed down to him and see that's and that's a problem i see in the world today the world today, the, a lot of what you hear in the world, and a lot of this, and, and I don't think it's a generation. That, you know, we talk about these kids. Well, listen, we raise these kids, so if these kids are a problem, it's our fault because we raised them. Um, but it's not—it's not the uh, the idea that that these kids. It's not a generational thing. It's a—it's a cultural thing that they want to—they want to get rid of all the, the, the monuments of the past. And, and, and I'm not proud of all the things that this nation has done and, and I'm not proud of all the things that have happened in the history of this nation. But, you know, we're a work in progress. You know, we, we are people that are learning and we're growing and changing. And, and yes, slavery was horrible. Slavery was awful. And the, and the things that happened, but we also eradicated slavery we also got rid of it you know 150 years ago and and the reverberating effects of slavery uh, uh, you know have still continued on for years and all that but we're people that are growing and we're people that are ev- you know evolving and culture is changing and and I get all that but you can't you you can't move forward at the expense of the past you move forward by building on the past and i think it's the same in the church world yeah i i get new music and i get doing things different and and i do things different at my church than than the way it was when i grew up but i didn't forget what it was like when i grew up and i didn't forget the prayers and the and the the Fervency of the passion that the, the men and women that I saw when I was a child, that they followed the Lord and they made a ton of mistakes, but they were wholehearted in their passion and following the Lord. And and they lived it to the best of their ability. And I don't just say, oh, that was what they did. So I'm going to totally walk away from it and totally be something different and try to start off on my own. I've got to have a home plate or a home base to start from. And so I build on, I build on what those before me have done. And that's what we need to do. We build on and and we we. Look toward the future by building on the past and you do the same with your kids, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. I am, I am a product of my dad and my granddad and, and grandparents and great grandparents, my mom and her parents and great grandparents. And, and, uh, all, you know, I am a product of that and I don't just walk away from it and just spit in the wind and spit in their face because uh, spitting in their face would be spitting in the wind because it's going to come right back and slap me a- and walk away from that. And and you can't do that either. And you don't walk away from those experiences of those that have poured into you. And, and you don't walk away from the experiences of your past or those things that have been handed down to you. Listen, as a child of God, you and your lap has been placed a great privilege and a great responsibility. And this legacy of the tens of thousands of martyrs and prophets and preachers and teachers and intercessors and missionaries and, and pastors and people of the church, faithful men and women that have carried on this legacy that Christ started 2,100 years ago and is carried down through 2,100 years that we know of the church has been placed in our lap. And we don't walk away from it. We don't disesteem it. We build on it. We build on it. And we we learn from their mistakes so that we don't repeat them, but we cling to what they did right. So we take what they did right further and deeper for the kingdom of God. And so the idea... Is that we don't disesteem, we don't, we don't hold valueless our birthright as a child of God. We don't hold we 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 don't forget. I'm reminded of a story, and I'll end with this and I'll be brief. I'm reminded of the story of a man, young man in Cuba who was in prison for his faith and had been tortured and beaten and and had told he needed to sign a confession to deny his faith and they would set him free. They took him into a room and they had the paper in front of him for him to sign it and, and said, sign this paper and we'll set you free. And he said, I can't. And they said, what do you mean you can't? He said, I can't sign it. The chains hold me. And They said, you're, you're not in chains. You're in a room here, and you, you can sign this paper. He said, no, you don't understand. I am a link in the chain of the of people that have given their life for Christ, and I am a link in this chain, and I will not be broken, and I will not sign. Folks, we, there is a chain of people who have followed the Lord for thousands of years, and we need to stay true and build on that and look forward and leave a legacy a godly legacy because the things that we do impact those that we that we come in contact with hey i love you and i will talk to you soon bye